Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We believe that God is working in your life, and we would love to hear about it. So please send us an email, amen at r4sq.org. Again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. i tell you what, we've had so many words already this morning. God has been truly moving, and thank the Lord for his presence, and thank all of you for your obedience to be used by the Lord. That is always our desire, that this house is a house where people are free to be led by the Spirit and free to speak what God places on their heart. Well, today we're going to be reading from James chapter 5, so if we'll turn there. James chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 13. I do want to welcome our first-time guests. Thank you for joining us today, and as well as our online viewers. Thank you for being with us. I pray that you experience in your home, in your office, wherever you are, uh, the presence of God as you join with us today. James chapter 5, verse 13. You can follow on the wall behind me if you like. And James writes, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer often in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, If someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Lord, I thank you for the reading of your word today. The Lord bless the speaking of your word, I pray. Holy Spirit, I yield my members to you that you may have your way in this house. Thank you for the people of God that are here. Lord, I believe their hearts have been prepared to receive your word. Now, Lord, pour forth your word into the hearts of your people. As I open my mouth to them, God, I open my ears to heaven. Heaven, speak to me as I speak to God's people. Lord, just let your presence and let your anointing flow in this place right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. But what an amazing time in the Lord. And I think it's very fitting, the experiences we've had so far, it's very fitting for where we're starting today. Today we're starting a new series on healing. And in the next few weeks, we're going to look at various aspects of healing. The title of this series is Restore. Restore. But today we're going to talk about healing for spirit, soul, and body. Throughout this series, you're going to hear testimonies by various people about the healing that they have received from God. The scripture that we read in James chapter 5 is viewed by many as the healing covenant of the New Testament. And in these verses, we not only find God's promise to heal, 
But James tells us how we can receive that promise. How can we receive God's promise to heal? God's promise healing starts with the knowledge that Jesus came to restore the whole man. You must understand that. He came to restore the whole man. God's promise to heal starts with the knowledge that he has promised to heal your soul, to heal your emotions, to heal your physical body just as he healed your spirit, which of course is the ultimate healing. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 70 disciples to preach the message of the kingdom. And he told them in verse 9, heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And in verses 17 through 20, it says that then the 70 returned with joy. They returned rejoicing, saying to Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. To that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you. The believer, of, the believer in Jesus, the follower of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus, he said, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. Nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. Nevertheless, Jesus said, do not rejoice in the fact that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In this, Jesus reveals the greatest reason to rejoice, and that is we have been reunited with God. Before you gave your life to Jesus, you were spiritually dead. That is the ultimate sickness. Because that sickness, that, 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 that when you're spiritually separated from God, that sickness produces eternal death. But when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your spirit was made alive in God. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, death left your spirit, and God's life came to you. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In verses 4 and 5 says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Colossians 2, 13 and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. When you accepted what Jesus did for you, God forgave you and your spirit was healed. When you accepted what Jesus did for you, God forgave you and he made you alive again. He made you whole again. How many of you remember when that happened to you? 
Yes. You know, I told you through all this series of messages, we're going to have testimonies by various people. And I've, I've asked James Norris to share uh, with us this morning uh, his testimony concerning what God has done for him. Thank you, brother. God came in Christ Jesus to save sinners, of which I am foremost. And verse 16 says it so beautifully. Paul says, For this reason he saved me, to demonstrate his great patience to everyone else around me. Which is a wonderful thing, sister, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. We're all examples of the love of Jesus to everyone else around us. That God is patient and long-suffering. I was talking with a one sister here between services. And, and, and I made mention in the first service how I believe that God instituted such things like pottery making to show us just how long-suffering he is. For, for, for someone to reach down in the earth and take up a piece of clay that's shapeless and otherwise has no purpose and to set it on a table and to very lovingly, very patiently, very long-sufferingly, listen, and with great love begin to put his hands to the clay and to fashion and shape. Not worried about what it looks like right now because he already sees the finished product right here. And he works to that end. And there is never a moment when God has ever looked at me and said, you know, I'm tired of dealing with you. I'm just going to throw you out right now. He has continued to deal with me because he loves me. Even when my faith runs out, he does not get exhausted. He does not deny who he is. Right? Now, here's my testimony and pay attention. And listen, my life is not uncommon. Nothing happens to us. It's not common to all men. Right? Some of you have been through the same stuff I've been through. I was the only child born to my parents. My mother was very young. She was 14 and my dad was 20. Okay? I don't recommend that for anybody. I came along three years later. Sometime after that, my parents divorced. Don't know, don't have no memory of it. Okay? My dad ended up getting sole custody. Now, two things happened after that. I got a double whammy. One, my mother was very bitter that my dad had taken me. That was her words. He took you from me. And I received a good portion of that bitterness. And I'm going to tell you what I told the first service. Parents, do not pour your bitterness out on your children. They're not there to make you feel better. They're not there to bear your burdens. They're not there to assuage your guilt. Okay? That's not what they're there for. Don't do that. I have two sons. My sons are not here to bear my bitterness. I don't have any, but they're not there for that. They're here for me to love and bring up into men of God. And turn them loose and let them go into whatever the Lord's called them to do. That's my purpose, to steward them into that. The second thing was the woman that my dad had married in the interim did not like me. She had been abused when she was a kid, and guess what she did to me? So understand that I did not have any relational instruction whatsoever. I was neglected, frankly in some sense abandoned. My dad was a good man, don't misunderstand, but he was gone from the home most of the time. And I was there with someone that did not like me. And if I tell you she hated me, that's because that's the word she used. I hate you. Now, that's rough on any kid. Okay. And so I withdrew from the world around me. I stayed away from people as much as I could. I'm, I, I was like a dog running away from home, right? I see the treat in your hand and I want it. But I wonder what your other hand's going to do when I come to get it. And I was terrified. 
I was. I didn't want, I, I didn't look to make friends. I didn't want any friends. I didn't even have a girlfriend, frankly. I didn't tell first service. I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 20. I just didn't, it, it, there was nothing in me that wanted it. And, and by the way, I got saved when I was nine. Do you see? I'm 47 now. That's how long God's been working with me. <laughs> but that's the patience of the Lord. Now listen, God's done three things in my life. Number one, he saved me. That's what happened when I was nine. And he did not leave me the way I came. There's an old gospel song from way back. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. He did not leave me as I was. All things are new. The old has passed away. Number two, the Lord Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. And he became of no reputation. I had to learn through instruction from the Lord. I had to learn that even in the midst of my hurt and my pain to begin to minister to those around me who sometimes had the same pain I did. Listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle trying to pray for someone when they're having the same problems I'm having. Because, listen, I didn't have faith for myself, but now here I am praying for someone in the same boat, right? But you say, what's the deal? Oh, here's the thing, here's the thing. When I begin to give from him, I didn't have anything to give, but when I gave from him to someone else, then the Lord would turn around and restore to me. Nehemiah's name, which is one of my favorite books, it's not my favorite. Hebrews is actually my favorite. But Nehemiah, one of my, one of my favorite books. The name Nehemiah means Jehovah my consolation. Consolation means to restore that which has been taken. And over the years, the Lord has restored to me what was taken. It may not be the original, but he has not left me wanting. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Whatever you find yourself in, whether it's loneliness, neglect, abandonment, or whatever else, because you, like me, maybe didn't have much of a family growing up, and some of you didn't, I'm here to tell you God will not leave you as you are. He will restore to you what has been taken. Over the years, God has given to me wonderful people all around me. I, I call them friends, but that's not really fair. Because Scripture says there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I'm telling you that I have friends who are so wonderful and so awesome that frankly the best word I can use to give to them is family. But that's not really fair because they're actually closer than that. And the third thing is this. And I'm going to give kudos to my pastor here. Because he... Thank you, brother, for creating an environment where family exists. When I showed up here on a Wednesday night, I had been seven years, not out of church, but going from one after another. This was actually the eighth place I had came in roughly seven years. The eighth church. And I could not find a place where I belonged. And like everybody else, I wanted to belong. I like belonging. I like walking in where people know my name, shake my hand, hug my neck, say I love you, just like everybody else does, right? I do. It's kind of fun. It has a sense of contentment to it. And I walk in, and there's no question. I went home and looked at my wife and said, I'm going back because I think I finally found a place where I can fit. And I just want you to know this. I didn't tell those guys that. And I'm sorry I didn't tell it in first service. But I'm going to tell you this. I just want you to know that every time you come up and you shake somebody's hand, every hug you give, every time you utter the words, I just want you to know I love you. 
You never know into what you are speaking and never know the level of a thing that you speak into their heart to give them value and relevance and importance. See, and that's the thing I'm telling you. And in doing so, you impart to them the heart of Father and give them place and help to wipe away a lot of pain. And I just want to say to you guys, thank you so much. Because it feels so good to finally have a place where I come. The word family is the word I hear most often used around here. And it's something I searched around for the biggest part of my life to find. And you know what? I, I, I finally found it. I get to be up here and sing and, you know, off key and do all a bunch of crazy stuff. And, and have fun and enjoy myself. And the pastor lets me come up here and tell you guys what the Lord has done. And I just want to say thank you for that. Something beautiful. Something good. My life. And I just want to prophesy to anybody sitting in this place. If you're like me and that's where you've been, I declare to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, freedom. Freedom from abandonment, freedom of neglect, freedom of being left alone, freedom of that kind of solitary confinement. I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. And I tell you today, 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 listen to me. Yesterday is gone, tomorrow may not arrive, but I declare to you in the name of the Lord that today, if you will simply come to the Lord as you are, as you are with all your pain, with all your hurt, I'm telling you that the Lord will wrap you up in his arms. He will kiss your face and he will love you in a way you have never known and have never felt and he will break every chain that binds, every oppression, every slavery. He will take it away from you and he will bring you freedom and I assure you in the name of the Lord, God will not give up on you and he will not turn you loose or let you go until everything is just right. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, praise God. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I cannot tell you how it does my heart good. And James, let me just say, I am so glad you're part of our family. And that goes for all of you that are here. I'm so glad you're part of our family. It is so important. Thank you for sharing your testimony. The ultimate healing is healing of the spirit of man. And although God's promise to heal does not stop there, many do not receive healing beyond that point because they do not know or they do not believe that Jesus died to heal the whole man. Many also do not understand the connection between physical healing and a healthy soul, especially if you are a child of God. I put Christians in a different category than I do the lost as far as healing is concerned because oftentimes God will heal the lost physically before he heals them spiritually. I've seen it time and time again where God heals someone who didn't know him before he saved them. It was a sickness in my wife's physical body that drew me to the place where I met Jesus. And God healed her physical body before she gave her life to Jesus. But once we become believers, 
Once we know the Lord and we know and we understand we receive the saving grace of God, there's an expectation that faith is required to gain access to God's promise to heal. And often as believers, our physical, emotional, and mental healing is connected to the condition of our soul. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In this verse, the apostle joins the prosperity of all things, including good health, to the condition of the soul. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Prosperity is the result of God's abundance. And as God's child, please know that God wants you to prosper abundantly in all things, including your health. Because Jesus came to restore all of you. Spirit, soul, and body. Physical health. The healing of all things. Prosperity. It's not an end in and of itself, but it is the result of a quality of life, a commitment to God, a dedication to a lifestyle that lines up with God's word. The word prosper in Greek means to help on the road. It means to succeed in reaching something. It implies that divine prosperity is not a momentary passing phenomenon, but it is an ongoing progressive state of success and well-being. It means God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. He wants you to receive the help you need as you journey through life. He wants you to succeed in reaching the goals that God has for you and in living out the purpose for which you were born. Included in that is spiritual, physical, emotional prosperity. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. In this third epistle, John is, con is concerned for the physical, emotional, and spiritual health of his friend Gaius. God is likewise concerned about your soul, concerned about your body, and he wants to care for your whole man. Thus, he has provided healing for all of you, not just part of you, all of you. John, in this epistle, echoes what we find in James 5. So I want to examine what James said about healing in the verses that we read. He starts out by saying in verse 13, are any of you suffering hardships? What did he say do? You should pray. You should pray. The Message Bible puts it this way. 
Are you hurting? If you're hurting, pray. That term suffering hardships means suffering from affliction, hardship, pain. That word speaks to suffering in your physical body as in a sickness as well as other hardships and pains that we endure in this life. And James said if you're suffering in that way, you should pray. The first thing he instructs us to do if we're hurting is to pray for ourselves. Pray a prayer of faith, believing that God heals today and that he will use you to heal you. <laughs> Believe that God will heal, will use you to heal you. That's what James said. If any of you are suffering, if you're in pain, pray. God will use you to heal you. You have to believe that when you pray for yourself that God hears you just as he hears you when you're praying for someone else. But most Christians, we're quicker to pray and believe for God to heal someone else than we ought to pray and believe for our own healing. James said pray. James tells you that if you're suffering, you should pray for yourself. God will honor your prayer of faith for healing for you just as he will honor your prayer of faith for healing for someone else because God honors faith. So lay hands on yourself and believe for the power of God to be stirred up in you. Let me tell you something. In, 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 in one of the messages I'm going to do in, in, in this series, I'm going to talk about the, the healing that we receive, inner healing and deliverance. And I'm going to tell you, when I got into that ministry many years ago, one of the first things I did was I prayed for myself. I was reading this book, and it was talking about how these spirits attach themselves with people and, and how if you have certain things that you're struggling with, there may be a spirit associated with it. I thought, like, God, I need to pray. I need to pray. So just me and God, I say, Lord, I command the spirit of whatever it was to leave. And I'm telling you, I felt that thing leave me. Me, in my room, by myself, just with God. Yeah. I prayed a prayer of deliverance over myself, and God honored that prayer. James said, pray. Lay hands on yourself. Nowhere in the Bible do I find where someone prayed for Jesus. <laughs> just think about that. I don't find it. That means that either Jesus walked in divine health, which he may have, or he used his faith to appropriate what God had promised. You have the power of God in you. The same power that was in Jesus is in you. And that power, and that power will honor and, and will release the faith that is needed. It will honor your faith and it will be released into you in such a way just if you were praying for someone else. Whoever places a demand on that power of God by faith, that power will respond, even if it's for you. If you will believe that God wants to heal you and you pray and ask the Lord to do what he has promised, he will do it. So pray about your suffering. Listen, Stop putting up with the devil's junk. 
Stop putting up with the devil. Stop being like Pharaoh. When you want the frogs to leave? Tomorrow? No, no, I want them gone today. If you got something going on with you, you want it gone today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. Believe God right now because what? Now faith is. Now, right now, today. So believe right now for what you need. Verses 14 to 15 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. Now here James gives us another way to receive God's healing. So if after you've prayed for yourself and you're still sick, then James said, call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Church elders and ministry leaders of men and women who hold a special office in the church. Those offices are, are offices of power, authority, and might. Spiritual power, spiritual authority, and spiritual might. And the elders and fivefold ministry leaders are gifted men and women of God that has a special anointing on their lives. So if you sought the Lord for healing through prayer of your own and you're still suffering, James said, call for the elders of the church. Call for those leaders who've been given a special anointing from God to pray over you. Call for those among us who know how to pray in faith. They know how to appropriate the promises of God. Notice that James places the initiative on the person who needs to be healed, not on the elders. He said, if you're sick, call for the elders. Yet God uses the faith of the appointed leaders to release his healing powers into those who are sick. God honors the faith of those he has set apart for his good work. And I want you to know who those people are among us. So if you are an elder of the church, please stand. If you're an elder of the church, one of our church-appointed elders, we have a total of seven elders, count myself, Mike Phillips, Stephen Richards, Pastor Julius, they, they, I think they may be in Huntsville. I know uh, Pastor Julius is probably in Huntsville. I believe Stephen Richards is. Also, if you are called into the fivefold ministry, you've been called as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, please stand. You've been called into the fivefold ministry. I want you to see those in our midst who God has set apart to pray for you and to pray over you. Remember these faces. Remember these people. Because you know what? Pastor can't do it all. But I thank God I don't have to. Amen? I thank God that there are people who understand. Pastor Angela, what an amazing gift she is, not only to this church, but also to me. Because one thing I know, if there's a lady in this church who's in the hospital or who needs sick, who's sick, I know she's going to be there. I don't have to worry about that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. But I want you to see who God has placed among you to pray over you. And to those of you that are standing, I want to challenge you to allow the Lord to use you like never before.
I believe we're entering a time where we're going to see a manifestation of the power of God through the people of God like never before because that's what the world needs. And guess what? It's going to start with us. But it, listen, it doesn't stop with us. It flows down to the rest of the body. And then they too begin to move out and do what God's called them to do. Amen. So thank you guys for standing. Is Dave Thomas in here? Did Dave leave? Is Dave here? Okay. Dave is, is also, um, Dave is one who God's used in the area of healing in this church so many times. So I really want you to, to know Dave because uh, Dave has been used in mighty, mighty ways. But I want you to see, wanted you to see those who God has placed here to serve you. These are the men and women of faith who've been set apart and given to this house to carry out the work of elders and fivefold ministry leaders. And as men and women set apart by God, these men and women must understand. So, though you stand up, who stood, I want you to hear this. You must understand it is your duty to pray for the sick and believe for God to use you. To heal them. Roz, I want you to stand up too. You didn't stand, but you need to. Roz is over our intercessors here. And, and she's another one that if you need prayer, seek her out. Amen? We, we need to know who labor among us. We need to know who they are. You need to know who they are. When they're called for, they should come in faith and anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith over you. James says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make them well. We're talking about calling for the elders. I asked my wife to share a testimony from years back. God bless you. Good morning. Uh, about three years after I got saved, uh, I was just about to start a new job. I came down with the worst case of chicken pox that you will ever imagine. I had chicken pox everywhere. I was miserable. And I had this little Bible. It was a Jimmy Swaggart Bible. And in the Bible, they had scripture references, like if you were sick or if you were depressed. And I read in there that I should call for the elders of the church. So that's what I did. And miraculously, they came. They anointed me with oil, and almost immediately, those chicken pox started going away. And I was very relieved, and my husband never caught them. He's never had the chicken pox till today. <laughs> so God heals. When you call for the elders, and again, there's something, there's, there's two things. Number one, your faith is at work, but also the elders, the faith of the elders is at work. So take God at his word and call for the elders if you need them to pray over you. So the first method given by James for you to be healed is for you to pray for yourself. After praying for self, if you're still sick, James instructs you to call for the elders and let them come and anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith over you. James said, God will hear that prayer, see that faith, and the Lord will make you well. Yes. But, everyone say but. <laughs> but if, if, if after you've called for the elders and you're still sick, what do I do now, Pastor? Well, James gives us one final thing to do to receive healing. And that final step is found in verse 16 of chapter 5. And it says, let's read it together. Confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What did James say do? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. In this verse, James joins our healing to the confession of sin. But it's not enough to just confess sin. That confession must be met with repentance. This verse seems to suggest that some people are not healed because of sin that they may have in their life. Now, it's very important that I say this because I don't want you to leave here with the wrong impression. It is not saying that if a Christian prays for healing or, or is prayed to be healed and is not healed, that it is not because that there is sin in that person's life. There may not be sin in that person's life. It's important that you get that. Because we know, and we've known some amazing saints who have been, uh, who have been or is currently plagued with a sickness, with a disease, or even a handicap. And it's not because they're in sin. But there are some things about this life that we will not understand until we see Jesus face to face. There's some things about even God's promises that we will not understand. Whether we understand it or not, we still must do what the Bible tells us to do. So be careful to not judge someone who is sick or handicapped and say that they're that way because they are a sinner or because they're in sin. Because all sickness is not the result of sin. However, there are some that are, or James would not have said what he did. If you cannot receive healing in your body, take a look at yourself and make sure there is no sin in your life that is keeping you from what God has promised Remember, Jesus came to restore the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And if you're not experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus came to give you, make sure there's not some sin that is keeping you from what God has promised. Look within yourself and make sure there's no sin in your life that is blocking the blessings of God, that's blocking the promises of God. James said, confess your sins to one another. Now I want to close by reading something to you that I find absolutely amazing. It was a post that was made by Glenn Burge, Pastor Glenn Burge, who's the president of our movement. And Glenn shares an experience he had years ago with Pastor Jack Hayford when Pastor Jack was the president of, of our movement. Listen to what Glenn said. A few years ago, I received a call early in the morning at 4.30 a.m. from Pastor Jack Hayford. And he asked me to come to his house immediately because he had a confession to make. 
He was president of our movement at that time. So I was scared because I did not know what he would reveal to me. When I arrived, I met Jack and Anna in the kitchen and weeping. Pastor Jack told me of a conversation that he had with someone and that after reflection, he believed he was misleading. When he told me what he said, I kept waiting for something else. I kept waiting for something bigger. I kept waiting for something more scandalous. But there was nothing else. Pastor Jack asked me to serve them communion. 4.30 in the morning. Because in a conversation, he was misleading. in the morning come I've got to make a confession I want you to pray over me Pastor Jack asked me to serve them communion and pray over them he said he never wanted anything big or small to stand between him and Jesus Glenn said, I was so humble. And I thought, would I have been that quick to confess? As I drove away from their home, amazed at the willingness of a man of his statue to remain accountable, the Lord said to me, that's the reason that I trust him and I use him. And Glenn said, may we always have that kind of teachable and repentant heart because that's the kind of leader that anyone can follow. To all of you that are leaders of this house, I challenge you, be that kind of leader. Be that kind of leader. If you're struggling with something, find someone that you can trust and confess it. Ask them to pray over you that the Lord may heal you. Healing, spirit, soul, and body because Jesus came to restore the heart.